Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 72 of the Magic Beans podcast. My name is Cracker, and I will be your host for the show. And I have a couple of beans on the line with me, starting off with Chewy. How are you doing, mate? I'm excited. How are you? Very good. Very excited as well. And also joining in the excitement is Stu. How's things, buddy? Very good. Thank you. Awesome. So the reason why we are all very excited this week is in just a couple of days, we have reached the end of our Kaldheim Beans League. We've got the top eight and we're about to get streaming on the weekend. So today is going to be a focused episode on the top eight, who's in it and what decks they're playing and what fun things we should expect to see. So, but before we get into all of that, one of our top eight competitors is some bloke called Pat. Stu, where do we know Pat from? We know Pat from Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. Now, this isn't the first time our sponsor has made it to the finals, I believe. So he's just, clearly he's good at magic and also good at selling magic cards. So he's a Facebook auction site. Just search up Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar and you can, just like me, get yourself a $19 Urborg or you can have one of the fellow beans outbid you on a card for more than it's worth by a lot and then have their wife outbid them as well. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, look, really great. Pat's a great guy. He's supporting us and we love what he does. And it's actually really cool that we get to comment, commentate his matches this weekend. So yeah, look him up and bid on all the cards and tell him that the bean sent you. Excellent. Awesome. So, Chewy, I'm talking about this league that we've had. Maybe you could give us a, a quick rundown on how we got to these eight players. Yeah, absolutely. So we started with, I believe we had 50 players, um, 48 players, something. Four, uh, 48, uh, yeah, I think, yeah. 48, 48, 48 yeah. yeah. And uh, so after uh, a four-week period where those players were divided into groups and played around Robin, the uh, the top competitors from each of those groups emerged. <clears throat> uh, and like somebody cast a, an ultimatum and they're the ones that got pulled out of their deck. And they, they, we came up with a top 12 and then those players battled it out and uh, we had a couple of casualties along the way, and we are locked into a top eight. Uh, so the uh, the very pinnacle, the cream of the uh, of the competitors, and we've got deck lists that we'll go through a little bit today. But yeah, uh, when I said I, was, I am excited at the start of the show, it's because we're going to do some coverage. We're going to stream it to our Twitch channel this coming weekend. Uh, we're going to do a double elimination uh, format top eight. So lots of magic coming at you. So it's not just a uh, in and done thing. It'll be a bit of an experience. So hopefully, uh, you know, people can join us. We'll be commentating on the top eight matches. So I know that uh, Shorty and Polly Waffle are doing a lot of work behind the scenes to get a schmick. Uh, coverage experience for everybody and we'll be bringing a bunch of commentary on the day which I'm always excited about it's always really fun to do I'm We've really looking a- forward to seeing what uh, what Chris and Shorty come up with this time they're oh, always pushing the lines yeah they better be coming up with coffees man because I saw the times that you guys were talking about arriving at the uh, at, at Big Fish and uh, yeah 
I'm, I'm going to need a bunch of coffee to, to get me going. Yeah, coffee will be involved. So we're starting a little earlier for this stream than we have in the past. Uh, sometimes we've done these final streams at sort of Sunday evenings, but we're kicking off at 10 a.m. Saturday Australian Eastern Standard Time. So Saturday the 10th of April, uh, 10 a.m. So no matter where you are in the world, you should be able to tune in for that. Uh, we'll be giving stuff away because that's what we do uh, at the beat. So there'll be some on-stream giveaways. They'll be announced on the day. Pretty excited by those. And, uh, yeah, so just hang out in the chat, and you'll be able to enter those little comps, and we'll give give stuff away. The prize pool for the competitors is over $500 worth of uh, yeah, cash and prizes that these, uh, these guys are battling it out for. So, yeah, it's uh, a lot at stake. And... You know, five hundred dollars cash and prizes pales, pales into insignificance when you factor in that the winner of this top eight of our Caldheim League gets an invite to the Magic Beans Invitational at the end of the oh, year. Yeah. So, so all of these players have accrued some uh, some points, and, and that's exciting, and that they've all done well. But there is that uh, that Invitational invite. On the line, getting yourself locked in in the first league is uh, is, is pretty great. You join Hemsey as our defending champion, and you know you just get to look down on the rest of the competitors for the rest of the year, and you know try to figure out who's the challenger for your title. So it's it's going to be pretty exciting. So I'm uh, I'm pumped. This stuff's always really fun, and uh, we've got some really good players. Um, Cracker, who who are our, our players? We'll get into deck lists, but who who is our top eight? Sure. So, as we mentioned, we have got Pat. Uh, we've got Squid Plays, Asbestos Mule, Pejor, Skips J, The Goat, Rolling Royce, and Jedi's Walker. I do actually have all their real names as well, but, you know, that's that's where the, everyone's seen them on in the Discord and as, you know, like as we've been battling through, so... You know, that's probably what they'll mostly be called as we're, we're getting through the, the finals. But, um, yeah, there are people from all over. Uh, the GOAT is actually from South Carolina, I believe. Yeah, so wow. they'll be up late there Friday night, I guess, to, to battle out these games, which is pretty awesome. And then we've got a, a good uh, sampling from all around Australia for everyone else. And, and Peter is from uh, Dunedin. He's from New, South, New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah, that now, little island of... up the coast of Tasmania. I think I made that joke last time. Sorry, I'll have to get some new Kiwi jokes, Pedro. <laughs> I apologize. Do you, though? I mean, you haven't had any new jokes for a while. That is true. Why, why, why start now? Okay, I'll stick to what I'm good at. <laughs> Old jokes. Yep. Uh, yeah, so, look, we're, we're really, really looking forward to seeing uh, these players. And we've, we've seen a few of these people in the, the top of the finals before we've actually had a couple of others who have come really close and not quite made it to the top eight so i know we've got a, a couple of these guys who are quite excited about you know uh being able to do really well in this league and like a couple of newcomers as well which is awesome in fact like three newcomers right like squid plays i think this is the first league they've played in yep asbestos mule and also uh the goat this is the first one for them too so well done really great to to see some some new faces and the fact that the beans community just keeps growing blows us away so we're, we're really looking forward to like seeing them in action how it all goes yeah no i'm uh i love seeing some new faces there and uh people that you know you 
it creates that uh, that uncertainty when you get paired against somebody or you, you organize your match. It's like I, this person's a completely unknown quantity, and um, you know these guys have performed. So you know, hats off to them. They've uh, they've run the tables, and mm-hmm. yeah, and also you know the players that are familiar to us. It just shows their quality as well that they're able to mix it as as the community grows and the the skill level of the beans competitors goes up uh still being able to put up good results is uh as a good endorsement for your uh, for your ability so well done to those guys as well absolutely so enough teasing everybody around what everyone's playing let's get straight into it unfortunately the metagame is really flat and we've got uh eight people playing mono white aggro yeah there's just so many heliods it's crazy Mm. so yeah yeah um <clears throat> so that's actually not true. We've got it's not, <laughs> we've not got one hundred and twenty <laughs> unique cards um, uh, across our main decks. So you know some of those may be like twelve or sixteen copies of that card, but they're yeah all up. There's one hundred and twenty unique cards. So that's a uh, that shows the diversity. Even though we we may have some similar deck lists into the top eight, there's still still a lot there. Um, got a couple of companions. What companions do we have, Stu? We're running one Lurus, one Obosh, and more importantly, one Urion. Just one Urion deck. Okay. Just one. There's uh, also interestingly, uh, particularly after the uh, the Mythic Invitational or whatever they're called, uh, there are four only four copies of Edgewall Innkeeper in the top eight. But there are twenty nine different adventure cards all up. This is an outrage. There should be more innkeepers. Yeah, should there though? I'm pretty glad that there's not. I love the adventure package. I've played it since day one. I just love it. It's very I, powerful. I, I am gonna miss magic or standard when Eldraine is gone. I know a lot of people I won't. I know Twitter's will. been a bit funny about it lately, but I love it. I've enjoyed playing them. They're just more powerful than anything else and it's unfortunate when you get a cool set with some cool interactions like Kaldime that and things just get squeezed out by yeah. things that are already there so other cards just don't quite get as much time in the sun when we do that but we did have to bring the power level down but this kids is what you call a tangent and we are on it so I'm going to bring it back um, whoa, whoa, whoa. you're bringing it back, I am bringing it he's back. bringing it back I went on the tangent and Chewie's bringing yeah. it back what's going on? So so Edgewell Innkeeper plus 29 adventure cards is 33 cards out of the 156 creatures that are in our top eight. So what I need to do is have a look at how many copies of like Heartless Act or Extinction Event are in there because there's a lot of... They're going to be busy. A lot of bodies, yeah, a lot of bodies on the, uh, on the battlefield. So expect to see some interactive magic, which is great. And things will be... Uh, easy to cast in the manner in standard we knew was really good, but um, there is I think close to twenty copies of Fable Passage, but there are twenty triomes and wait for it, sixty four pathway lands across the top eight. Like how insane is that? I mean. It's they're pretty good, and considering we have two mono red decks, that's not a joke. We, we literally have two guys on mono red. Uh, they're not playing any pathways. 
Uh, they're playing Snow Mountains. Uh, yeah, I uh, look, I'm not surprised. We, we've all played with the Pathways. They're not my favorite dual lands, but I mean, they work, right? They're what we've yeah. got. And, you know, the, the, there's, yeah, they, they produce some interesting choices around how you play them as well. So I'm not surprised, particularly we've got some three color decks and things kicking around that there are a lot of those. Yeah, one of the things that I guess we've been spoiled for having the Shocklands in recent standard sets is you only really have to do like level one sequencing with which land to play first, where these add that additional complexity. So it's like, oh, do I play my um, Hallowed Fountain or do, do I play my Sacred Foundry, right? There's a um, there's decisions in that, absolutely, uh, on what to play first. But with um, with the Pathways, you, you're locked into that color once you you got them. So it's like, I really need double red. So I need to play this blue red one on the backside. Um, but that then limits the, uh, the number of blue sources that you've got where, you know, with a true, a true dual land, um, that's not an issue. But yeah, these, these require more play skill, uh, I think. And they, uh, reward, uh, tighter play and and punish looser play so they're a maybe that's why i don't like them i was gonna say i can <laughs> confirm that <laughs> um you know well we've been spoiled in, in that sense and you know we've played a lot of modern and uh and such over the journey so you're used to playing uh stomping grounds and black cleave cliffs cracker so we have been spoiled for uh for options so but i, I really like these i think they're a, a really good land in standard and we're seeing that, you know, they are truly the best mana fixes that we've got, complemented well by the Triomes and Fable Passages. But you can also just play, you know, 19 Snow-Covered Mountains and some uh, Faceless Havens, and, you know, that that is also a very functional, very powerful mana base. So, yeah. All right, well, well let's start there then, seeing as we're talking about Mono Red. As I mentioned, we've got a couple of our players on that. We have from group cracker <clears throat> actually just just the the sick rub in half of the top eight here is group cracker that's right all four of the guys that came to the top of uh my group have made it all the way through well uh, done yep yep so pressure's pressure's on to was... take it home otherwise cracker has to eat his I mean, words, we're 50 50 no no it's fine so there's so there's we, one group that has no representation in the finals correct Oh, is there? I believe that is the case. Because my group, Group Stew, has three. Uh-oh. Which Ooh, means... I haven't even checked. Between is Group that, Shorty and Group Chewy, there is only one. Ooh. Panicked clicking. So I'm just... <laughs> As Chewy works out if it's I know who not. it is, but I'm going to let you figure it out. All right. Oh, it's totally me, so, isn't it? No, I don't know. Uh, so, two, as I said, two of the guys, we've got uh, Pijor and Asbestos Mule. They are both running uh i mean snow mono red i guess you call it i mean it's just it's mono red um yeah they are both playing the things you would expect look this deck has been around in this variety for well since you know eldraine <laughs> <Where we've> got, <laughs> we got a bunch of really broken things like Embercleave. Yeah, but it's proven um, right yeah look the deck is is really good it's it's come and gone in terms of popularity and and um, you know, favor or what have you, but it's it's very good. And uh, Faceless Haven, 
Uh, Stu, have you battled with or against Faceless Haven? I haven't battled with yet, but I have battled against it. And that is a card. It and really is a card. Especially in these mono reds or even your mono white aggros, it just gives them so much more. Like Chewie and I were just talking before the cast about the longevity that it can give these decks that often if they don't get their thing done quick enough, they just peter out. But Faceless Haven just keeps them in the game. Yeah, I agree. I think it's one of the best um, creature lands we've seen in a really long time. I, um, I'm never happy to see my opponents playing that. Um, and it do doesn't get killed by Bone the, Crusher. Yeah, yeah. The, the three toughness is a real thing. Do you think this is the best creature land we've seen since the Celestial Colonnade cycle? Oh, so like back in Zendikar. Yeah, like we haven't had a lot of creature lands since. I suppose we haven't. To be fair, there's the the colorless one that's currently in standard, which is okay. Uh, but oh, the crawling barons. Look, that, yeah. mm, that's that's all right. Like I've that has seen some small amounts of play. The Nissa creature lands were pretty good. Well, oh yeah, well, that's there's, yeah, 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 different, yeah. Three, making three three elementals that tap for mana. Yes, yeah, sure. Yes, yes. You're uh, right. Breathing pool is the best creature land we've ever seen. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, I I'm. I'm actually like I. That's a legit question. Like I'm trying to think of since we had those. I've got nothing. Yeah. Well, when was Mutavolt? That would be the only other thing that would come close. Like, that was in Lawwood originally. Right. Um, is when we first saw Changelings. But, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but then Zendikar with um, so with, like the the blue black one was unblockable. The Raging Revenge just got bigger and bigger. Celestial mm-hmm. Colonnade was a Sarah Angel. Um, you know there. were the, some of the others weren't so good. The the uh, the blue, uh, the green white one. Yeah, the actually the, treetop was, village. Um, Can't remember. No, treetop village is probably one of the best creature lands ever printed. I, I think faceless haven is worse than treetop village, but yeah, right. You know, it's only two to activate. Doesn't doesn't require snow. It's got trample. Um, taps for a color. Like it's got a lot going for it. Yeah. But, yeah. I think it's unfair to compare a creature land to, to Treetop Village, uh, but yeah, I I think I think Faceless Haven is definitely the most powerful creature land we've seen in some time. Definitely, um, I think one of the biggest plus sides with it as well is that it doesn't interplay tapped. Yeah, and that's what the Which, mono red deck wants, right? They yeah, don't want correct. Because so. you can't have tap lands; it just did such a beating. So the fact that you don't lose any tempo and you know. You just play. I mean, there's literally no downside to, to snow-covered mountains in the deck. In fact, there's a, there's a bunch of upsides. You know, you get like frostbite and stuff like that as well. Yep. So, yeah. Um, anything spicy? I'm looking at Pjaw's list here at the moment. Uh, we've got Annex Bone Crusher Champions Fireblade Charges. Yeah, that's uh, standard. Yep. Uh, Robert the Rich, Rimrock Knight, Torbrand, and a Phoenix. Yep. Cleaves, frostbites. Uh, the Phoenix is a concession to you know the prevalence of rogues in the format, yeah. and just having a uh, a recurring threat is good. And Pijol's got another couple in the sideboard as well as Oxes. Yep. So yeah, I think the deck is you know really well positioned. And as we get into the uh, the other uh, decks in the top eight, there'll be a few players that a few decks that are you know hoping they dodge the mono red matchup. And and one or two that are hoping to um, draw a particular half of their deck in those games as well. So, yeah, it's a um, uh, it's a 
it's a kind of deck that just keeps everybody honest, right? It stops people doing the ridiculous things. And, you know, if you bring mono red to this event, you, you're here to win. You know, you're not, you're not mucking around. You, you just want that uh, invitational invite, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I expect to see some, uh, some pretty serious gameplay, which is great. Um, there's some interesting sideboard choices between the the two. Uh, so P Jaws sideboard three Roiling Vortex is uh, is something pretty cool. So at the beginning of each player's upkeep, Roiling Vortex deals one to them. Uh, when a player casts a spell, if no mana was spent to cast it, Roiling Vortex uh, deals five damage to that player. Not the most relevant ability for standard but it also has an activated ability of one red your opponents can't gain life this turn so hang on hang on hang on what about ultimatum yeah there's ultimatum but it it literally is for that right yeah uh i I think the activated ability and the 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 damage every turn still makes it a playable card if if that middle paragraph wasn't um wasn't there uh, yeah i don't think you'd put it in as like a bad um, uh, sulfuric vortex. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, uh, I I still think that's powerful enough for standard because the best you know one of the whether well, it's the best way, but one of the most common ways to try to combat mono red is with, with life gain, and it lets you do that. And you're playing a deck with 25 lands. Um, you're going to have a red lying around to uh, to to activate it. But sure. yeah, you've only got to get your opponent to 10, and then uh, ultimatum is switched off. So it's it's definitely a uh, uh, a good strategy against that. Um, Asbestos Mule doesn't have any in their sideboard. No. So, uh, some so different. So, more removal. So, I'll, I'll just read out Pijor's sideboard. Three Vortex, two Oxivagonus, two Phoenix of Ash, that I mentioned before, two Scorching Dragonfire, two Soulseer, uh, a good way to uh, deal with Planeswalkers, Red Cap Melee, setting themselves up for the Mirror, and two copies of the Acroan War where Asbestos Mule has got a lot of uh, spot removal to come in. Uh, so depending on the matchup, they can find the most appropriate. So three Fire Prophecy, three Shock, two Melee, two Dragonfire, a Solcia, Tundra Fumarol uh, is uh, is an interesting card. So it's a, do you want to read that one out, Stu? So it's uh, two Red and a, and, and a Generic. Is that what we call it? Colorless? Generic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tundra Fumarole deals four damage to target creature or planeswalker. Add colorless for each snow permanent spent to cast this spell. Until end of turn, you don't lose mana this you don't lose this mana as steps and phases end. Oh. So that's a, a an interesting um a, a, an interesting cut. So four four damage to a, a creature or planeswalker is uh you know it complements Soul Seer. Well, it's a you know a bit of redundancy there, but the ability to uh, you know double spell out of something with yeah uh, like robber something that's sitting around from a robber of the rich attack, uh, being able to like then like cast this and then you only need another red and you can get a bone crusher off of adventure. You can just play an ember cleave for cheap. Um, so yeah, it's a um, there are some situations where this card kind of just deals forward to something and that's it. Uh, other um, 
other opportunities where it can be a complete blowout. So that's pretty good. Uh, and then um, also rounding out uh, Asbestos Mule's sideboard is an ox and two copies of Goldspan Dragon because sometimes you've just got to go big and over the top. And uh, Goldspan is uh, is very, exactly very good at that. Yeah. So, yeah, mono red decks, you know, the, this, the sort of known quantity, but certainly not 75 card mirrors here. So, no, but the main is very close. Very They're close. only a couple of cards out from, from each other as far as that goes. The only difference um, seems to be one less uh, Rimrock Knight in P Jewels, I think, and one yeah. extra. Yeah, P Jewels playing an extra land. land. An extra extra castle, actually. Which which is a solid choice as yeah. far as additional lands go. There's a lot of absolutely um, utility there. You want to, you definitely want to draw one, but you don't really want the second one. No, and, and with nineteen we, islands, I'm not sorry, nineteen mountains. <laughs> oh, hang on. <laughs> yeah, with nineteen uh, mountains, it's going to come into play <clears throat> untapped very very often. Yeah, correct. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, look, probably not a huge amount to say there. Um, one thing I would note is that. I think that uh, I like the Soul Seers. I think that um, Pejor has played a lot more than Asbestos Mule. He, Asbestos Mule is like they started playing after the Invitational last year. So they're like super new to the game and like doing incredibly well with it. Um, but it shows that Pejor has lost to Lovestruck Beast <laughs> more times than he <laughs> wants to. And dealing five can be a big game. Absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, even if it is at sorcery speed. So yep. anyway, we'll see. is an instant. Oh, it is too. The other one, sorry, the um, Tundra Fumeral is a snow sorcery. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's a. Um, uh, if I'm playing Team Adventures, uh, landing a uh, a Love Struck Beast does fill you with confidence. It uh, sure does. Yeah. Is, uh, is anyone playing Team Adventures? Oh, look, it's someone else from Group Cracker. <laughs> uh, it's 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 Mr. Roland Royce, and uh, he he went 10-1 in, in our group. Um, kind of crushed his way through. Actually, yeah, rather impressive. W- w- with, without a great deal of uh, a competition there. Uh, and so he's playing an Obosh list, which you don't always see in the team of lists, um, but I quite like. So let me give the quick rundown. We've got four Bone Crusher, four Brazen Borrower, four Innkeeper, four Goldspan Dragon, four Kazandu Mammoth, four Lovestruck Beast. That's just super clean, man. Just, just he knows what deck. he wants. He it's wants a good deck. Yeah. Four of each of them. Two Henge, four Alrun's Epiphanies. Oh boy. Four Epiphanies, um, big game. F- yeah, he's he's definitely going bigger here, uh, which I really like. Like, Henge into Epiphany. Oh, man, that seems awesome. Uh, two sort coming, Spikefield Hazard, a dispute, a mix of lands, and then just a bunch of interesting sideboard cards. But let's talk about the main deck before we get into that. What do you guys think? Oops, I love it. Stu already <laughs> loves it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, look, if you're going to build this deck, it's, it's a very clean-looking list. What uh, yeah. I love about this deck, and I've played... Probably a uh, uh, sixty-eight to seventy card um, version of this, like as in the same cards. So I played effectively this deck a fair bit uh, last season, and you always have a land when you need it, and you always have a creature when you need it. Uh, so it 
plays really, really smoothly. You've got a huge amount of two-for-ones because you've got the adventure package plus Edge or Innkeeper. Then you've got big hitters in uh, Goldspan Dragon, Lovestruck Beast, and Goldspan Dragon plus Alrun's Epiphany ends games so very quickly. Or, like, any one of your creatures and Obosh ends games very, very quickly as well. So uh, it it is really big. So other creature decks, like the mono red decks that we talked about, it's too big for them in the the early game. And then you just go way over the top of them. So it's got a really good mono red, red matchup. There's some other uh, more 50-50 matchups in the, uh, in the top eight for them. But uh, I think Rolling Royce will be quietly confident and, and will feel like they've selected the right deck for the event. Uh, having a look at that, what's here. If I if I registered this for this this top eight, I'd I'd feel like I'd you know got the first challenge complete. I'd pass the first test in deck selection. So yeah, now it's just up to you know believing in the heart of the cards and and, and playing them well. But he's brought the power, which is which is great. The the four epiphany is the only thing that makes me a little bit nervous. Um, he's playing thirty lands. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, you just don't miss. No, that's like, right. And so I, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Like it's seven mana, but at the same time, like you hit one, you hit seven, and then like, well, you just keep taking extra turns, and you don't need very many of them to win. No, that's right. Well, that's and even the uh, the birds that Epiphany makes mm-hmm. um, are a clock, especially in multiples. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, four damage in the air has been winning games of magic since magic was um you know a thing in its infancy so it's a um it's a good deck i i'm i'm excited this is this is but just based on deck choice i i would put this as my uh early front runner for for favorites i think uh it's not easy uh you know this is a pretty stacked top eight with some pretty powerful decks but yeah i think Rolling Royce will feel quietly confident. All right, Stu. Saying yeah. as this is your jam. Well, why don't you? Yeah. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> no, I was going to say, why don't you run us through the sideboard and tell us what you think about it? All right. So we're running three mystical disputes, uh, two red cap melees, uh, two Clothus, God of Destiny. So a bit of, bit of graveyard exile. There. Is that what it does? Yep. Yep. Yes, which is nice, and you know, potential for more mana there. Two Ox of Agonos, Agonas, Agonus, Agonus. Two Soul Seers, a Elder Gargaroth, just because you know sometimes team is not big enough. A Crush the Weak, which is it's very flavorful if you ask me. And a Soul Guide Lantern, just the singles of those last three. The Crush the Weak is uh, is interesting. So I haven't it's actually a, seen this card. It's an uncommon from Coldheim, isn't it? Yeah. So it's a Pyroclasm. Crush the Weak deals two damage to target yep. creature. No, no, each just exile. Oh, sorry, to each creature. Sorry, um, if creature dealt this damage this way, will die. Exile instead, and you can foretell and it has a foretell. It for a red. Nice. So, um, it's foretell cost plus. Yeah, it's foretell cost is the same as its uh, regular cost, but you can yeah foretell it on on turn two and and save it up for the opportune moment. And yeah, two damage when you've got 
um, Bone Crusher Giant, Mammoths, Lovestruck Beasts. Um, you know, you've got big game um, already. So, and, you know, it just clears the way for your um, Goldspan Dragon to just beat people down. So I, I think that's a that's a, a good card to have in the matchup. And one of the things that I think is really interesting with, um, with our deck list, with one-offs like this, whether they're, you know, it's the one of Mystical Dispute um, in Royce's deck here or the one of Crush the Week in the sideboard is we're playing open deck lists. So people will have to, they've got access to the deck lists. The, uh, the cutoff was uh, about 24 hours ago um, as we record this. So they've had time to, you know, pour over the deck lists and see who they're going to come up against. And having those one of fun ofs, really does take advantage of the uh, the open deck list format. So be interesting to see if anybody kind of has to play around those uh, um, those one-ups or whether they just go, ah, you've only got a one-up, what are the chances and whether we see any blowouts. So, yeah, be interesting to see. You, you always know when he foretells Sorek coming though. <laughs> Certainly in game one. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Foretelling a card, yep. I know what that is. And... Well, it could be an Elrond's Epiphany. Not on turn uh, two, though. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I always forget that that's a thing you can do with it. Yeah. Well, that's a common thing to do. Get it out of your hand, protect it. Um, look, I'm I'm really interested to see this play out. Uh, I think it's, like you said, really strong choice. And uh, I think it will, yeah, well positioned against what we see going on here. Uh, the the sweeper you were talking about, Chewy, I think will be brought in against a couple of the other decks we've got here. And we've got two of our players on Jeskai Cycling. And as someone who has had all of their creatures exiled instead of going into the graveyard to buff your Zenith Ware, <laughs> let me tell you, that's quite a frustrating experience. So, <laughs> um, so the Goat and Skips J are both on Jeskai Cycling. Um, slightly different lists. We've got, you know, some more creatures and things in some of the others, but um, maybe let's just quickly run through it. So the Skips J list has got uh, four Stinger, four Fox, four Rescuer, four Healers, and also four Iron Crag Pyromancer, which is not always seen in the list. That one's kind of come and gone a couple of times, particularly in the Boris list. It didn't really see play because you were trying to be faster than that, but in the Jeskai list, it does tend to you know pop up a little more often yeah the, uh, and then we've the got Jeskai list is uh sort of a turn slower but it can go a lot longer so yeah depending on what the format's trying to do um yeah you've got that flexibility in your deck building to um to uh counteract that which is which is great and i like the it also blocks yeah. yeah me too yeah, yeah. Uh, for Improbable Alliance, which is the the main draw to going to uh, Jeskai, adding blue. Uh, and then you've got uh, some Boon of the Wishgivers, some Go for Bloods, Zenith Flares, starting developments to Neutralizers in the main. So you've got the counter target spell with Cycling for two on it as well. Uh, and then like a mix of lands. I think the... Um and four of those are the Jeskai Triumphs, which is also additional cyclists. Um but the neutralizer is an interesting choice here with um, things like Emergent Ultimatum in the format. Uh, so you can get a get to a point where you've got a clock, 
you know, you can just sit on your neutralize and, um, you know, you only need to counter one emergent ultimatum normally to uh, to get the job done. So, uh, I think yeah, it's and a- you, you spend so much of your game just going land go or land attack go with the cycling decks, you know, like there are things like with the um, the Valiant Rescuer, right? You want to cycle on your opponent's turn to make sure you get that extra token. Exactly, so, yeah. Or, or you're holding up mana, you know, threatening a, a Zenith Flare at the end step or something like that. Yeah, so, so there's always some does, open mana. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it makes it really hard for your opponents to gauge what you're up to, um, kind of like an old Drawgo control deck with flash threats. And, and like, you know, um, the Demir Rogues deck is, is similar in that way. So... It can be challenging to play around, knowing that Skips has got a couple of neutralizers sitting in there, whereas the goat uh, doesn't. There's there's kind of no no counter magic at all in the main, so you you know that game one you just don't have to play around it. No, that's right. And um, interestingly, one of the you mentioned the draw for going to to Jeskai being the improbable alliance. Uh, I hundred percent <laughs> agree with you there, but it also opens up the counter magic options in the uh, in the sideboard which is real definitely so um looking at the goats list um they've got two mystical disputes two disdainful stroke two negates uh, so six counter spells can come in so even though they don't have the the main deck uh neutralize they, they can still bring in six counter spells and that's not to say that uh, skips jake doesn't either so um, there's some negates and disputes that come in there as well. well he's and running the, another four counters, so they'll both have six all up, including cycles. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's, it's a game. games two and three can be very different. I really like the Riel, the Everwise out of Skip J, Skip's J's um, sideboard. So it's a blue, red, and one for a zero three legendary creature human wizard. It's a mythic from... Uh, Akoria. Uh, Royale the Everwise gets plus one plus zero for each instant sorcery card in your graveyard. Whenever you discard one or more cards for the first time each turn, you may draw that many cards. So it uh, it, it could be like a, you know, 10-3. Um, it's going to get blocked and, and such by a lot of things, but in games where you need to go longer or bigger, it, you know, every time you so you cycle a card and you get two cards for the first time you do that each turn. So you're you're digging a lot deeper and finding a lot more gas. So uh, a really interesting um, option for for the deck out of the sideboard. And you know, in sort of grindier matchups, definitely something uh, that you'd want to bring in and a great sort of you know one of fun of as well. So I do find it interesting that. They're, neither of them are playing Lurus. Like, I understanding Skip's list with the Pyromancers, you can't. Well, both uh, both got... players are playing Pyromancer. Iron Craig Pyromancer. Yeah, they're both. Oh, they are. Them. Yeah. Oh, I missed that. So, what's Skip's playing more of then? So, Skip's is playing the, oh, the, the healers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Right. That's Which where the difference is. I complete as someone who's played a bit of cycling. I uh, I certainly have cycled Dreneth Healer. Far more often than I've played it as a two-two. Absolutely <laughs> bad when yeah. I have to cast that card, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's not the that's not the state I want to be in. No, that's right. So, um, so the goats just straight up cut it. So it's, it's a, a good cut. yeah, but yeah, the the pyromancer 
makes makes Lurus yeah, it's a decision that you have to make. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I guess it makes sense if you're playing best of one, like on ladder, you're just like trying to grind through gold or whatever with cycling, which is you know, definitely something that you can do. Um, and I have done in the past. Uh, the Lurus version is pretty good. It's pretty direct. But once you start getting sideboards, your graveyard's going to be a target. People are going to bring in uh, Soul Guide Lanterns or um, you know other cards to exile your graveyard. So Pyromancer uh, is an alternate win condition as well as a board control option, but an alternate win condition that doesn't rely on the graveyard. So uh, it... Lurus is all in on the graveyard. You know, your, your oh, yeah, Zenith Flares sure. are on the graveyard. Lurus is on the graveyard. Um, where this, yeah, lets your deck attack from a different angle, which is, is yeah, really, yeah, really absolutely. powerful. No, I like it. We were talking about, well, other graveyard decks. And maybe we'll, we've got a couple of, well, we've got one list that is interesting that you have, I haven't seen a lot of. But maybe let's just touch on what our illustrious sponsor, Pat, is brought to the table in Demir Rogues. And Pat is on the full Lurus Ruin Crab version. So for Windrubber, for Ruin Crab, for Thieves Guild Enforcer, for Soaring Thought Thief, which is kind of the, the usual package there. Um, also playing three of One Mind and three Agadim's Awakening. Uh, and then lots of instants so for heartless act for drown in the lock for into the story two didn't say please one disdainful stroke one negate one mystical dispute and one soul shatter and then a mix of lands and so just before before we go any further yeah yeah, yeah. Ju- just to quote pat when the deck lists were revealed oh no i was wrong <laughs> yeah, he, he was he's like how am I supposed to beat cycling decks? Yeah. <laughs> and, and as someone who has, has milled uh, opponents into very large Zenith flares, feels bad. He does have a lot of counter magic, though. A lot of counter magic. I just thought that was brilliant. I had a quiet chuckle when I, when I saw that. Yeah. It's a uh, it's definitely a, a thing. And look, yeah, it, it's all about uh, killing the key creatures with your, uh, your Heartless Axe and... You know, you've got Drown in the Lock, you've got Disdainful Straight, you've got Negate um, uh, in the main deck, and then, you know, lots more counter magic in the um, in the sideboard. So certainly not unwinnable from Pat's perspective, but... Oh, for sure. The deck's good. It's And it's proven it's been around now for quite a while. It, it won some tournament last week as well yep. that, you know, apparently some people were interested in. But, yeah, it's... <laughs> It it, <laughs> it, draw, it draws a lot of cards in, you know, the Ruin Crab mill plan. You can mill yourself. You can get a lot of, you know, Agadine's Awakening becomes a draw spell, uh, you know, into you the story with... mill yourself with Ruin Crab. Okay. Yeah, you know, don't oh, that was the other, the other one. You're going to Ruin Crab. Yeah, right. Okay. This isn't um, modern. Uh well, they fixed it. There you go. Uh, but well, yes. of one mind, um, you know, if you've got a a, yeah. cre- a a human and a non-human, and if you have a look at the, um, uh, if you have a look at the four different creatures, two of, you know, there's eight yeah. eight humans and eight non-humans in um, in the deck. So, of one like mind can often be a you know one mana 
draw two cards. So that's pretty good. I'll take that. It's not quite um, Ancestral Recall, but, you know, it's... Uh, that's, a, that's a great card. It's, it's a pretty good divination. And, of course, you know, Into the Story has been uh, tried and true in the, uh, in the rogues list for a really long time. Yeah, I like casting that card. Yeah, it feels good. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, look, this deck, like we've we've said it, I've said it a lot. I think you can build it to beat anything as long as you know what you're going against. I don't know whether this list will beat everything because we've got a really good mix here, right? Like this may struggle a little bit against mono red, whereas it'll do pretty well against like Saltai Ultimatum, right? Like that's the kind of deck you want to play Yurion decks, not because yeah. you can mill them out, but just because you can you tempo them out, right? You Absolutely. just play the 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 aggro tempo game instead, and you know, like you can just you just kind of praise on that, and that's really what Pat was expecting was that there'd be a whole bunch he of people that on at least half the field would be on Urion. So. exactly. And so, like, this is a chance, you know, a case of like maybe the right deck, but not the right build. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. it's it's interesting to see. Um, how this will do. Pat can look, magic it, it can just win. Look, yeah, I love exactly. Mason Rogues, so I'm just hoping Pat does well. I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he'll do fine. What I love about this deck is, and I think we were talking about this, I don't know whether it was on the last cast cracker or just chatting in general over the weekend, the deck is, is unassuming in a way. It's like its creatures aren't huge. It doesn't have these big knockout punches, but it just never runs out of gas. Like, yes. even, even like, Lurus recurring merfolk wind robber and 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 things like that where it just you know it's it sees so much of its deck which is funny because i remember when the demir rogue sort of first came about the card draw side of things hadn't really been fleshed out yet and we were all sort of saying it just needs more card draw yeah we were trying to do like zareth sand yeah. things as well like the builds were a little bigger and clunkier yeah and, for sure you know like the machine just kind of worked out that this is the package even down to like you know of one mind is a fairly recent adaptation recent in the last few months i it mean it certainly wasn't in when i was last playing rogues no exactly and i was kind of like uh, is that actually good enough and the answer is well yeah it is because it's like one mana draw two or you know it's a divination sometimes you just flood out and you pay three mana to draw two cards and that's okay like so yeah, this this deck goes for a really long time, and um, casting Agadim's Awakening for a bunch the to best. bring back. I, I I have done it for three, where you bring back a Lurus and a couple of Rogues, and then you use your Lurus to cast something else. Oh man, it feels good. You, yeah. you cast, you know, like yeah. I mean, it's a lot of mana. It's like eight mana or whatever, but you get like four creatures into the battlefield, triggering all of the things. Ah, it's nice. So yeah, I mean, I, I've obviously got a big soft spot for this deck. Um, I don't know that I love it in this field, but yeah. we shall see. Pat feels like he's the underdog here. Yeah, yeah. And he's right because it doesn't have an engine, which a lot of these other decks do. And, you know, like just innkeeper going unanswered for a bunch of turns, you know, like you can just, just get out raced, right? You just get outvalued and that can be hard to keep up with. So speaking of engines, mm. what about Witch's Oven? Trail of Crumbs. That's a, that's a that's an engine we haven't seen in a little bit ever since the banning of Shorty's favorite card, the, the poor cat. Yeah, the poor cat. Absolutely. Uh, so, 
Squid Plays has brought John. Do you want to read us the decklist, Stu? All right. So we've got uh, four Skyclave Shades, four Wicked Wolves, four Gilded Geese, four Gilded Gooses, Corvold, three of, uh, three Woe Striders, a couple of Bone Crusher Giants because you're playing red, a Clothless, a Valky, a single Valky, uh, one Rankle, three Witches Ovens, four Trail of Crumbs, four Binding the Old Gods, uh, three Claim the Firstborns, and then an assortment of lands, lots of pathways, some snow covered, snow covered basics, uh, four Fable Passages, and then, yeah, just. Do we want to go into the sideboard now or look at the main deck? No, let's go through the main deck first. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yep. I think so. so. There's a lot in there. A bit of recursion for sure here um, with uh, the Skyclave Shade and ways to kind of get benefits out of that. I haven't seen Corvold for a minute, right? It's yeah. a, a, or a Wicked Wolf. So... I uh, I'm pretty excited to see these cards. Actually, I'll be honest, I forgot they were still in standard. <laughs> um, but yeah, this deck is very very fair, I think. Um, and because so it doesn't do anything over the top. Is that what you're you're saying there? Or yeah, yeah. I mean, Corval can definitely go over the top. There's no, you know, it could get very very big very very quickly and um, can do a bunch of damage out of nowhere uh, but ev- everything about this deck is pretty grindy right like it's really sticking to the adage of just jund them out yeah 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 absolutely it, yeah right. it is it is very much a jund deck and you know it binding of the old gods is actually interesting here because it's the first deck i've seen that can actually use the third chapter to great effect. Um, yes. Where you can just like attack with a bunch of creatures uh, that, you know, are going to um, you know, cause a lot of bad blocks and, and go a long way to winning the game for you. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's pretty interesting. I like the one of Valky um, slash Tybalt because, if the, you know, it's the versatility. This is, this is the Valky that Wizards intended. Um, where you can play it as a two-drop, or if the game goes really long, you can cast the other side of it. And with Binding of the Old Gods and Gilded Goose, you know you can look at a turn five Valky, which is you know exactly what the um, Ultimatum decks are doing. Um, mind you, they're doing it with a friend, but it's uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I like the Clothus in the main deck. I like Rankle. Uh, I like Trail of Crumbs just to to go really, really long, claim the firstborn, stealing your opponent's creatures and then throwing them in an oven or sacking them to Woe Strider is a tried and true strategy against the smaller creature decks. And we've got, you know, two mono red decks, two cycling decks. So, yeah. Uh, It hits all of the creatures in uh, the rogues as well. uh, And uh, a bunch of them in the... The Team Adventures. Adventures deck as well. So, yeah, there's... I, I don't I don't hate this deck in this in this top eight honestly. Okay, there's there's one thing that I do hate about this deck. There are two instants in the whole seventy five. Yeah, there are two heartless acts in the sideboard. That is it. This is like the most f- you know like you might as well just lay your cards out 
Like you could literally play this deck face up, and it doesn't change much. Oh, there's what's four going on. four red cap melees as well. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sure. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> they're all they're all in the sideboard, man. Yeah. I don't know. Look, this just seems weird to me. You, you like you have no instant speed interaction. All all of your cards do big things. Um, some of them in synergies with others, maybe not on their own, but there's there's big synergies and there's big things that this deck does. But yeah, it's it's a bit ponderous I, in that sense. I, so. I don't know, man. Like, that, yeah, I think that the challenge for me in with this deck, and look, I could be completely wrong. I haven't played with or against this, you know. So like, who knows? I'm just making things up. You know, because that's what I do. But yeah, correct. No, wait, hang on. <laughs> what have you just said? <laughs> All right. Fortunately, I'm editing the podcast. Deleting right, that. So we will be editing that section out. No, it, it's just. It feels like it might be a turn too slow. Or just not have the interaction that it needs. Like the cat really held this deck to be like too. Yeah. Cool. Is the reality right that that cat engine was so strong because it just gave you an early blocker it gave you a little bit of life it was a little bit of chip damage and it just it was the glue that made this deck so very good to the point where it was oppressive to other things right and then like you've obviously got like there's no mayhem devils in this list you know like we're taking a very different approach it's a much more mid-range deck and the problem i have with it is i think it's just the worst mid-range deck it doesn't feel like it's going to draw cards as well as Team Adventures, and it doesn't go as big as the Sultai Ultimatum deck. Yeah, that's so fair. That's fair. That's the, that's the problem I have with this. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think I agree with with everything that you've said there, and like to back up what you're saying, uh, thinking of an example of the Embercleaves that are in this top eight. Someone mm-hmm. jams a bunch of jam, jams a bunch of small red creatures and throws a cleave on them. You, there's nothing you can do. You can kill the cleave the next turn with a binding of the old gods, but you know you've already taken twelve or whatever it is. So it's uh, yeah, I I like the deck, but yeah, it may not be positioned so well for for this. But look, Squid Place, I believe jammed this deck or a similar deck throughout the um throughout the group stage um mm-hmm. and and got to the finals. I'm not sure what they played more recently but um this does also appear to be one of those decks on just on uh face value one of those decks that rewards you for knowing it really well and so it could just be that squid plays is a jund aficionado and will um will surprise us so i look forward to seeing those games well i hope so i mean too look i'm i'm always down to be wrong (laughs) Right? Like I'm always happy to be surprised with how how things play out and you know how how well people do, but these decks also tend to just um, play the best thing they can on curve. And yeah. um, I don't know. As I said what I thought, Stu. What do you think, man? Would you do you like where this is positioned against the field that we're seeing? No, not particularly. Okay. I I think I just echo what you guys say, and I'm not an expert or anything, but yeah. It looks like it'll be fun. It should be interesting to watch, but it just to me it kind of looks like it's just maybe going to dirtle along, if that makes sense. Yep, 
Oh, look, I, yeah, I, I, I think Squid might surprise us. Uh, I, I, I don't disagree with you guys, but I, I reckon you don't, you don't play this deck on a whim. I, no, I, no, I for think, sure, uh, for you, sure. You so I'm, I'm you, actually, you know it. I'm really excited to see how it goes. Because uh, I, I, like I do like John things. Yeah, um, I like the. I, it looks like the sideboard is actually pretty well put together um, for this format. So I think games two and three will definitely, you know, all of the things that you've, all the concerns that you've raised, I think are somewhat diminished. Yeah. Um, you know, against uh, the ultimatum decks. And, Plus being able to hit like, them with a duress. Yeah. Running I think four that's of those in the sideboard will help four, a lot. Four red cap melees with a lot of small red creatures running around. Heartless Axe is a good card. Uh there's a rogues deck, so having two cro- Croxa and a Pelucranos in the uh, seems good in the sideboard seems good. Um, I'm unsure you'd want the fourth Corvold um, in any particular matchup, but yeah, and then a uh, another Clothus. So uh, I worry about this deck's ability to beat the cycling deck with only two Clothus uh, between the the main and sideboards. Um, to interact with graveyards, that yeah. that is definitely a concern. I'd like to see some soul guide lanterns or something, but um, yeah, I think pretty well set up against the sideboard itself is pretty well set up against you know um, five of the other seven decks. So yeah, we'll we'll see what the matchups look like. Yeah, for sure. And we've talked about it. We have an ultimatum deck, so we have Jedi's Walker playing. The Yorion Sky Nomad Saltai Ultimatum. Uh, so this is uh, much lighter on the creatures and uh, much heavier on the spells. So we have obviously a Yorion. We have two Valky, two Vorinclex, uh, two Maze Mind Tome, four Sharks, four Binding of the Old God, four Omen of the Sea, two Kiora Best the Sea God. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> four, <laughs> four Emergent Ultimatums, four Cultivates, Four Shadows Verdict, uh, two Covetous Urge, two Alruns Epiphany, two Seagate Restoration, and an Extinction Event. Uh, there's also four Jawari Disruption, four Heartless Act, four Sorak Coming, and then 30 lands. I mean, that's an 80-card deck, so yeah. I guess you've got to stack them in there. Uh, plus the fact that you've got another four, six, yeah, there's like yeah, 36 lands, I guess, plus four Cultivates. So I like it. Yeah, they're going to play, uh, yeah. I haven't seen cover to surge for some time. I remember that was that was a great card in limited, but uh, yeah, target opponent reveals their hand. You may choose a non-led card from that player's graveyard or hand and exile it. You may cast that card for as long as it remains exiled, and you may spend mana as though it was any mana of any color to cast it. The mirror honestly, breaker, right? I honestly can't remember that card. It didn't see a lot of play. Yeah, it didn't see a lot of play in. Um, uh, in standard, but uh, it, it was a great card in limited. Uh, uh, but the uh, yeah, I think it's it's in there for the uh, for the mirror, but there isn't one, so that'll probably come out. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I I like this deck a lot. The um, the it's very powerful. Sorry, like I like this deck in this top eight. I it's not a deck I've enjoyed playing or playing against. But it's very powerful. Um, you know, if you get a 
uh, you, you get a turn three cultivate, turn four, the, the saga, which then gets you a land, and you know very quickly you're um, you're up to ultimatum mana, and you can go and get Valky, Boronclex, Curabessa Sea God, or Aaron's Epiphany, depending on you know the game situation. Aaron's Epiphany straight into uh, another ultimatum on the next turn every time. Every single time, <laughs> if yeah. I ever accept, you know, if I ever give it to them, yep. So it's got, you know, it's got some counter magic, it's got some sweepers, it's got some spot removal, it's got some card draw, uh, it's got shark typhoon that you know you can cycle to dig for your ultimatum and make blockers or you know uh, create a threat or there you know if you land a shark typhoon and then you just start casting omen of the seas, binding the old gods, cultivates. You can win the game that way as well. You don't have to cast Emergent Ultimatum to win with this deck. Um, I'm just having a look at the uh, the mana base, and there are some red uh, lands in the um, in the form of uh, Ketria Triome. Uh, so you can uh, use the Binding of the Old Gods to go and get a Ketria Triome and hardcast your um, Tibalt Cosmic Imposter. So it's um, got that concession as well. Uh, so yeah, right, yeah, I missed that. Yeah, so it's, it's it's pretty good. I, you know, this is kind of the deck to beat the known quantity. This is a thing that everybody knows is a good deck. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it goes. What's in the what's in the sideboard here, Stu? Uh, we got three. Polychronos. I can never say that word. Three Poly-K. extinction events. Polykay. Uh, Three yeah. extinction events. Two disdainful strokes into two mystical disputes. Two Elspeth's nightmare. A cling to dust and another shadow's verdict, which so, Cracker was very happy with. Elspeth's nightmare it should be changed to cycling deck's nightmare, right? It's, Correct. It's it's such a good card. Uh, in that matchup, like kill your fox, take your zenith flare out of your hand. Now I'm exiling your graveyard is a very very good uh, three chapters on on one card. So yeah, I, I think that's a uh, uh, a really good card in this top eight. Um, even you know against the, uh, other decks in the format, like uh, be that the rogues deck as well. So yeah, I can see this deck. Uh, wanting that pretty regularly. Um, Polychronos is a good uh, card against the Rogues deck. Um, extra, like four extra sweepers in the in the sideboard. So in the in the main deck, we've got three Shadows Verdict, one Extinction Event. So there's already four sweepers. You can go up to eight. Yeah. So the creature <laughs> decks can have a and look concession that you know you you need higher numbers because your deck's bigger, but. Yeah, the extinction events and, and shadows verdicts can do a really good job of cleaning up those creature decks. So, yeah, I think this is kind of the bad guy in the room. That oh, it's you know, it's very well positioned here. I think mm. I disagree. Okay, really? Okay. Yep. I think the only thing that it's really favoured here is Jund. Really? Sure. Yeah. Yep. 
this has the tools to these... beat everybody, right? Sure, but you have to draw them. You have to draw and them. And it doesn't have much... Ca- it has no card draw. An 80-card deck. It's know, got... Yeah. So, like, if you if you draw the right half of this deck, nothing can beat it. Period. Like, it, it will just win against everything. But I think that there are... Like we said, Rogues wants to play against this all day, every day. Mono Red can just like run away with the game before they can get their feet under them. Yeah, and this is Cy- the power of Mono Red. Be- yeah, Correct. I-, I think yeah. Mono Red's got a- And cycling can do the same thing. Yeah, Look, Mono ma- Red's got a better matchup is- than cycling than against I'd this. agree to that. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Easily. I-, I don't know. I don't think like this is necessarily the field that um, Jedi's was hoping to see. I think they okay. were hoping for some some more mid-range decks. And look, I could be wrong. And like, I can see like, you know, Shadow's Verdict and, you know, like Extinction Event and those kinds of things. Like if you hit them, Mono Red's toast, right? Like it just is. You, you hit Sweeper into Sweeper and they've got nothing. Maybe it's a best of one thing, but I see Shadow's Verdict every single game. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. every single game. Oh, sure. I see you with your... You know, Bone Crusher Giants and your Love Struck Beasts. Here, have a Shadow's Verdict every time. Yeah, and that's fine. But that's, <laughs> that, it wants to play against Jund and uh, Adventures, right? Like, because it's the bigger mid range deck. But against the other ones, they can definitely get under it. The play and exactly. draw is going to play a big part in that as well. For sure. For sure. Um, well, uh, Jedi's is very good, and I can see him doing very well with it. But uh, I don't know. I don't think it's like that. Top, I don't know what single deck you can point to here as the clear favorite. I, I think you can no, make really strong cases for, for almost all of them as to having, like, the, I think it's great that we've got such a good spread as far as like good and bad matchups for each deck. I think it's awesome. Yeah. I, and like that speaks to the position that Standard is at currently. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, um, you know, standards in a good spot. We've got a number of different decks with very different strategies. We've got aggro, we've got mid range, we've got combo, right? So combo control, but it's a combo deck at its heart. So it's a, uh, you know, I I like that as far as the uh, um the the diversity. Uh, great for us doing coverage and for those watching, um, but you know. Well done to the uh, the guys in the top eight for uh, you know, s- selecting a bunch of different decks. So, yes, it's, it's really good. So we've got um, what have we got in a as far as the matchups go? Who's playing who? Well, it's a double elimination, so we should see a lot of these battling against each other. Um, which is pretty awesome. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up real quick. So we got Pijor versus the Goat, Rolling Royce versus uh, JDS Walker, Jedi's Walker in the upper bracket, with Squid Plays versus Asbestos Mule, and Skips J versus World War Me. So it's important to note that um, there were sixteen plays that made our finals, and mm-hmm. we. Uh, already played um, two rounds of finals to get to to this point. So this is the the second half of the final series and we're just doing yep. coverage for the top eight. So, yeah, so um, the matchups, the first matchups, Pijor versus the Goat, which is the mono-red mirror, I believe. It is. Yep. Um, then Roland uh, Royce. No. 
No, the goats on side. Oh, no, the goats, goats on just goats 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 Yep. So Rolling Royce playing Team Adventures versus um, Jedi's Walker on Ultimate. So, so that's cool. Um, I think uh, Jedi's Walker is uh, happy with that matchup. Uh, Skips plays uh, playing Asbestos Mule. So Jund versus Mono Red. Sorry, Squid plays versus... Yeah, then Skips J mm-hmm. versus... Um, the rogues deck of World so, War Me. So cycling on rogues. Yep. So Jeskar cycling versus rogues. So mm. yeah, interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just have Pat. to rely on play skill and luck, Pat. But yeah, it's um, it's it's going to be good, and we're going to kick off at uh 10 a.m. Australian Eastern time, and uh, yep, yeah, join us on coverage. There'll be it'll be a lot of fun, and we'll have a lot of uh. A lot of things to, to chat about. We'll do some giveaways. We'll run some polls. And um, Shorty won't be there, so we'll troll him a lot. So um, it'll, it'll be really, really fun. Absolutely. Really looking forward to it. Uh, if you want to come check that out, it's twitch.tv slash magicbeanscast. It's where you can find us for basically everything. If you just Google Magic Beanscast, you'll find the website, which has like all the podcast stuff on there. We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube twitch obviously as we just said so and the other thing is like our discord all this has been run through our discord so we obviously talk about a lot every week when we're on here but um it's awesome we love it we get to just talk about magic all day you know pops up on my second monitor at work and you know it's just people from all over the place talking about you know interesting things all sorts of different formats it's not all just standard um you know there's there's always people talking about limited and commander and you know all the other sorts of stuff which is pretty awesome and memes plenty of memes plenty of memes memes. i enjoy the chatter about the the previews and you know people kind of sharing their ideas and and such Uh, yeah uh, that's one of my favorite parts of preview season is uh the our community uh chatting about those cards yeah have you guys seen the two best cards in the um the new um strixhaven set it's um, it's Bonecrusher Giant and Yorion. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's not something I saw on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like yeah, it's probably sadly yeah, true. Yeah, unfortunately is. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of um, Twitter, right? Speaking of Twitter, yes. Uh, if you would like to talk to me directly for some reason, I am at Joel Hill underscore Chewy. You are at Chewy MTG and Stu at M Stewy. We look forward to seeing you all hanging out in our chat and being involved on the weekend. And take care and we'll see you soon.